Welcome to This Week in Hospitality Marketing, the podcast show number 396 with your host, Lauren Gray. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Hospitality Marketing, the podcast. I am your host, Lauren Gray, and this is episode number 396. So each week we spend around 20 to 30 minutes sharing the most interesting tools, news, and techniques being used in marketing for the hospitality industry. We also do a quick recap of our weekly live TV show this week in hospitality marketing, which airs every Friday at 11.30 a.m. Eastern U.S. time on the Hospitality Channel TV station. So then, let's get started. And now, today's new resource tool. So our tools for review this week are three, not four, strangely enough. Uh, the first tool is new and in kind of fun in a strange way because it solves for me a particular problem that i've long since had and that is not remembering formulas i mean that sincerely um yes i use excel a lot and i think a lot of people still do and as much as we oh there's better tools and better things and so forth it's the struggle of remembering if then conditional statements support a subject to content of conditional content selection and then color changes and font changes and highlights and just stuff that you don't use it every day so you forget it. So this tool is called formula.dog. Formula.dog actually does a heck of a lot more than just what I'm talking about in Excel formats. It actually handles um, formulas for, for a variety of other things. Um, it does, oh gosh, VBA code, SQL code, um, but it does it in a really cool way. So you can write in English what you want the formula to do. Like if uh, all of the things in this cell are more than 30, then everything in this column needs to be a affirmative yes or no, or it, it, you know make this color blue if, if everything is a value of this column it, it is, is 30. And from that, it'll make the code for you. In reverse, if you're dissecting a dashboard and you're looking at formulas and you're trying to understand what the formula does, you can take the formula, drop it into formula dog, and it'll tell you in English, what the formula is actually doing. It'll say this cell, if it hits this value, conditionally against this precipice of, of value proposition, makes this happen. And you're suddenly going, oh, now it makes sense. Because you know how many times you try to dissect somebody else's uh, sheets and tell me you're like, okay, let me get the conditionals. And it shows you all these spaghetti lines if there's a lot of formulas in it going, oh my gosh, which one was the conditional? Which one's the resultant? Anyway, it does some really cool stuff. As you can tell, I'm a little excited about the usage of the tool, but it is formula.dog. And it is very affordable on FFSumo right now, 39 bucks for uh, 1,000 credits, which is pretty cool, uh, refurbished 1,000 credits. So the next tool I also use a lot, and for the reason of our technique discussion here, you'll hear me talk about this again some more, and that is jepto.com, J-E-P-T-O.com. This was in my conversation a few weeks ago, podcast number 388, actually, talking about reporting processes. Uh, this comes back up for the dialogue we're having today. Uh, Jepto is about conditional reports, meaning notifications. You outline the parameters of what you want to be notified for for a variety of things on a variety of channels. What do I mean by all of this? Well, in simple lay terms for this, what you're doing is you're creating conditional reporting processes based on all the channel platforms that you're using, whether it be Facebook, LinkedIn, Google Analytics, Business Profiles, Ads, TikToks, which we'll get to in another conversation, uh, Google Search Console, Website, Google Ads. These are all Google Sheets even. It creates reporting processes 
based on what you said, if this number changes at a certain parameter, I want to be notified. And it gives you the notification process. It's very robust for people that don't always want to look at reports and try to see what they need to see in the report to know what they should be worried, concerned, interested, or action-based on. These reports are basically action-based notifications. You said, hey, I'd be worried if my paid campaign went 5% above my expected budget, I want to be notified. That's what Jepto does. It lets you know when that condition actually occurs and happens. So that is Jepto.com. The third tool for a discussion today is a old tried and true, used it for a variety of reasons, and that is Report z.io report z.io report z.io is a uh, creation tool for reporting what this does is it allows you to create your custom reporting for what you want the reporting to be for this helps with uh, for me a lot in client engagement where they they want to custom reports now obviously I've been using a tremendous amount of GA4 with the Looker Studio that's just Google's it's easier to use Google products with Google products but when you need that customization that creation that it isn't just the Google data that you're using but you're using data platforms off of a variety of other sources and you want to aggregate those sources um, and or that you need something to integrate with other platforms. This is an amazing tool. It connects to SERPstat. It does connect to all of your Google Analytics, GA4, Search Councils, SEM Rushes, Ahrefs, uh, SE Rankings, LinkedIn, uh, if your CRMs with MailChimp. It talks to all of them and it creates an aggregated reporting that's customized for all of the channels that you're connecting it to. So it's a wonderful creative uh, reporting tool that brings it all together. So, three tools today for the obvious reason of talking about our technique, and that is formula.dog, cool tool, on AppSumo right now, jepto.com, also on AppSumo right now, and reportz.io used to be on uh, AppSumo, but it's now you can just go to the sites for it. All the web links, of course, to the tools are in our show notes. And those are our tools for review. Now, for this week's hospitality technique. So, our technique discussion this week is... A stat for every season, how data lies. <laughs> With everything happening about the GA, well, GA3 or Universal Analytics platform to GA4, which is the new version of what Google is doing. Um, now you're having all of this flux of data, all the information that we're talking about with you and sharing with you of how it does and what it does and so forth. It, it's changing as to how this information can be interpreted with that comes the dark side as my dear friend tim peter says which he quotes from other people but i give him credit for this statement when the ship was developed so too was the shipwreck with this new data comes new ways of making the data say what you wanted to say versus what it probably is saying if read unobject un unbiasedly and that is data lies 84% uh, of all stats are made up on site <laughs> is the old famous fun quote about statistics Anybody presenting numbers will present the numbers to present their, their, their thesis, their case, their point to be made. Nobody shares numbers that discredit their uh, focal point of what they're trying to convey. They might do it to 
then counter those points like here's a bad number for us but it's really not a bad number if you look at it in the right way that's where that begins to get into a slippery slope the next thing then you do is you begin to see the numbers that are shared for the reasons that they're being shared and some of the biggest red flags for me is when agencies or third-party service providers begin to use their own custom dashboards to represent their production for you because I then begin to question the metrics of the accuracy of the data. I'll, I'll give you a case in point. I was very famous, uh, uh, very famous, that sounds very, very interesting. I was famously known for, or I was well known for, I was, I, I used this tool, how's that? When I was a GM at hotels and we always went through the budgeting process, uh, we always relied on Excel sheets and we were given uh, templates to work with and so forth. And I would realize very quickly that uh, whether a template that was given to us was locked or unlocked, meaning that you could modify the formulas for the summation of, of, of line items. And I very quickly realized that a lot of numbers were rounded up or rounded down based on the decimal placements that you placed for those cells. So there was a lot of uh, what would be, I termed it as lost money. Sometimes it got rounded down. And so what I did in my budgets that gave me some marginal numbers that made numbers work was I took advantage of those rounding numbers to add value to the numbers that were rounded up so that I actually had money that was not showing in the report. It was in there, but because of the rounding display, it didn't show it. And so my budgets fit, even though technically they didn't if that makes sense for those that run math formulas. That is one way of saying and showing that numbers can be deceiving, even if it's the number that you expect, but you really want to look at the formulas that created those numbers. Very few times do I see in any meeting somebody mathematically with a calculator confirming that the math that they're showing is actually the math of the result. Like if you take 10 line items and it says it's X value, does somebody actually go there and say, hold on a second, let me see the slide, and manually add those numbers to actually see if it matches the number that it says that it is? I have watched presentations where literally wrong numbers were put on presentations that nobody caught, but because it was pointed that that added up to this, it was taken as fact rather than suspect as to whether it's accurate. And because of that, I say statistics create problems when used maliciously. We see oftentimes third-party vendors that only feature the numbers that make them look real. I, I used to explain this to my sales team, my marketing team, my revenue team with a simple card trick. The trick of the card trick was I would make them I'd make them pick piles of cards first. After they, they had a card that was theirs and I put them into a pile, I selectively sorted out the cards in rows and grids. And knowing what card they gave me because of how I put it back into the how they put it back in the deck I knew where it was on the table that I laid all these cards out for so no matter which way they choose cards I'd either remove or leave the cards they were picking so long as the card that I know was theirs was still remaining on the table to impress them with flipping it over and saying that's your card what they didn't notice until I explained it to them was no matter how they picked I would choose what was beneficial to leave the card that I knew was theirs. If they picked the cards and, and their card wasn't in it, I took the cards away. However, if they picked the cards and their card was in it, I took the other cards away. That manipulation of the trick was a point to make about the manipulation of data. If I'm only using numbers that support what it is I'm telling you, what are the numbers I'm not using that question what I'm telling you? So a lot of times the best 
use of statistics and numbers literally comes from the value proposition of how they are being used. What is the what is the purpose of what I'm proposing? Why is this number important? How big of a number is this in comparison to other numbers that came to that? And so for that reason, when we talk about the tools like Formula Dog and Jepto and reports, you're talking about different modalities of understanding the numbers. Formula Dog is great in the sense that, from what I've used it for, is that it allows me to be more creative in understanding the interpretation usage of raw data. It gives me more tools that I know exist, but I just don't know them well enough to say, wow, I would like to know the average weighted mean of this data compared to this data, and what is the aggregate total volume of that average weighted mean represent? And I can type that into a term without actually knowing the if-then conditional summation formula necessary to calculate it. And of course, as you do these things, you begin to learn that there's other functionalities that you didn't even know Excel could do, um, which makes it really fascinating. Um, when it comes to Jepto, I don't have a time to be handed a piled report that's 50 pages deep to look for that one grain of truth that I really need to answer my question as to why I'm looking at the report. Or worse yet, looking at a report cold in the middle of a meeting to find out that needle in the haystack of what I should be concerned with that hopefully gets glazed over because I was just handed a 50-page report cold that I don't know how fast I can find what it is that's troubling. A lot of times it's done strategically to do that. When you have bad news, wrap it in something sweet and candy or overwhelm them with too much data that they miss the point that they should have caught because you don't want them to catch it. That's what data does to you. They can overwhelm you with data that is useless to find the, the grain of, of truth that you really need to understand. Jepto as a tool is great because if you set things that you know are important, like, wow, I want to know if our budget goes over 5% of what we had. That's a, a, a warning. Now, is it a warning like, oh my God, we got to freeze the account? No, it's a, hey, uh, I got a report that uh, yesterday our budget went over. Well, is, there, uh, is this a pattern, a trend, or just a unique day? And like the stock market, there's days that are high, there's days that are low, but this lets you know when the days that are high. And you can look at it and say, no, nothing to worry about. That was just exceptionally traffic day or exceptionally cost day or you know whatever segmentation answers that question. But if it begins to happen in a pattern, then that reporting process that Jepto does as an example of notification may cause concern of either I'm thresholding my reporting too low or there's a continued issue and problem that we need to address because the notification is coming in so frequently. That's an important differentiator. When it comes to report Z's, by aggregating all the data, instead of just looking at one thing and then changing your optics and looking at another thing, you're looking at everything together that you visually can create correlations like, wow, it seems that our social, you know, with what we're doing, Facebook and Pinterest or whatever like this, seems to be being cannibalized by our paid campaigns when we're featuring this type of stuff. That comparison can only happen when you're looking at the data holistically together that you see the, the those contrasts of a spaghetti line down versus a spaghetti line up or a wedge that's larger on a pie versus a wedge that's smaller on a pie. These things, these visualizations, these aggregated reports like Report Z offers and others like it, I mean, I did it as an indication of the types of reports, um, gives you a sense of being able to 
overview, 30,000 foot view as the nickname of it goes, to look at the overview of everything and not get lost in the granularity of the data. So when I say a stat for every season and how data lies, those are the tools and techniques that, pe- that, that vendors use and, and, and internal teams use to muddy the water so you can't see clearly what should be of concern or things that they don't want you to see and get past you if you're in the decision-making process. So there you have it, our technique this week. A stat for every season, how data lies. Now, this week's hospitality news that you should know. So news and show review, our show today, um, kind of always, as usual, symbiotic to our podcast, uh, is asking the right questions, the forever changing landscape of analytics. Um, This goes to asking the right question for the sense that, for the same reason we're talking about this in the podcast, if I'm presenting to you a lot of information kind of in a smoke and mirrorish way pay you know look at the shiny object pay no attention to the man behind the curtain then i'm distracting you from what i would hope you don't see which is something i don't want to answer to and so with having data presented to you and featuring data that is not as useful in the hopes that you don't see what could be useful and maybe be a detriment to the person that is sharing the data to you Um, It is that ability of asking the right question. If they're sharing numbers that make them look good, if they're showing numbers that make you feel complacent that there's nothing to ask a question about that might be uncomfortable, if they're sharing with you data that you don't quite understand the direct correlation of the value of why views or page visits or lower bounce rates uh, should be a positive thing when you don't see revenue production going up, which is the true KPI that you're looking for, then you need to ask the right questions. The one unique thing, the one, one of the many amazing things of the transition to Google Analytics 4 is the value proposition of what GA4 represents in the diversity of data that it offers you, the unique granular data that is available from an immediate moment to a retrospective to the, what you hold for data. Um, in times past, and we've discussed this on the show in greater detail, in Universal Analytics currently, you have to define what's called events and goals. And from that moment forward, it will track those events and goals as you've defined them. So you have to ask those questions now to know what you're tracking. But then if you begin to see events and goals and results from it, and it gives you some insights, you say, wow, I wonder what that would have been had we correlated this other event. You can't until you set it up. And then from that moment forward, you'll be able to wait for the data to begin to show you the results. The cool part about GA4 is because it tracks everything all at once, then if you were to look at the difference, these are called data data dimensions. Um, If you decide that, well, wait a minute, we looked at A versus B, I would love to see how A versus B includes with a variant of C you can do it and it will go backwards to all the data, back as far as you have the data, remember 14 month storage without you expanding your own data storage. And it'll actually show you that information by, by the fact you asked the question. So you asked a good question. It's like, wow, you know, the correlation of the lower bounce rate versus the lack of revenue, that means they're staying on the site longer, but what's happening with them? And you start asking better questions. This is the process that GA4 can really solicit because of its omnipotent collection of data compared to how we have been with GA3 Universal Analytics, where it's a matter of having to set up the predication of what you want tracked 
and then from it, then setting up the next predication of what you want tracked from what you learn from it. So it's a progressive, linear, forward learning process. With GA4, it could be an all, everything all at once. Hey, we found this correlation. What about that correlation? What about this correlation with it? And then all of a sudden you have an expanded perspective. The only thing that stays the same between GA3, GA4 when it comes to these types of things is the creation of your custom audiences. When you define a custom audience as to anybody that came to my booking engine and didn't book, and I want them for everybody that was in the past rolling 30 days, that starts when you create it so that it begins to collect that custom audience data from that moment forward. It doesn't do that historically. It's done because you're indicating that's what you want done. That's one of those things that still go from timestamp forward. So there you have it. That There's a lot more that we talked on the live show, a lot more interest to, to getting into the granular, more of the analytics comparison of the, asking the right questions. But that was our topic for today's live show, asking the right questions, the forever changing landscape of analytics. The one last thing I want to throw into this, and it really isn't pointing to a particular TikTok article or news feature, is the fact that how bad is TikTok? I mean, we hear about the bane and we, we know people that literally run and thrive their businesses on it. And there's some humorous things to it and fun things. And I think a lot of people equate it to the transition of what YouTube became for most people, what um, Twitter became for most people. It's a visualization of a constant stream of dialogue. Um, there are similarities as to the usability from both of those platforms. And then there's a lot of disparity of the differences. The one thing that everyone does have to remember about TikTok, as with almost all apps that have app-like functionality on that they're downloaded to your phone, is that through that connectivity to your phone, the resources of your phone, the hardware of your phone, become available to that platform for what they say they're using it for. And that's the key word, what they say they're using it for. It is already known that TikTok does track your facial expressions and it can track your thermal changes in your face as to being flushed with happiness or anger or smiling or they can correlate those types of things. Obviously, the location values of when you're using TikTok can be used by the platform as well a host of other functions that the phone operates. And, um, you know, you say, well, that's, those are the other apps. Yes, they do. The question mark with TikTok comes from the, the, the vagueness, the opaqueness of its collaboration and source of its relationship with the, the Chinese government. What is this? And as much as somebody says, no, I'm not using it for bad purposes, that's what Facebook said and look what they were doing. Uh, with Analytica and so forth. Um, so too with automotive dealers. I mean, I talked about the scariness of the data collection that your car is making for you. It knows where you work, where you live, where you go in between, uh, your driving habits and patterns, plus also what you're connected to for a host of other things. And it's about the, oh, well, you know, uh, we're not doing anything bad uh, to, to harm you. Says them, but that also doesn't say that they validate that. So I'm not trying to throw TikTok into the same pile or automotives in the same pile as TikTok, but it's that that um, we're not doing no harm to you kind of stuff, but they say it, but it's not a validation. That's where the real badness of potential of TikTok is because it's already been discovered. They haven't disclosed how much of the data that they're actually using, just the fact that they have the option to gather, gather that data. And that creates a suspicion of doubt of, well, if you haven't told us you were collecting it and then we discover that you're collecting it, you're saying you're still not trying to do anything bad or anything like this, then why didn't you tell us you were collecting the data to begin with? It's my usual litmus test 
uh, of two apps that that do that. And Google has failed that repetitively. Facebook has failed that repetitively. So to a host of other apps have failed that repetitively. And so TikTok is that, but then there's the fact that it is connected to uh, other governments that aren't necessarily looking to the interests of those outside of their own country. So there you have it. Remember, you can find us on Google Play, Apple, iTunes, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, Pandora, TuneIn, Pocket. The list goes on. 39 platforms and counting. Uh, we're even on Amazon's Alexa, Google Assistant, and Siri. Just ask them to play the Hospitality Marketing Podcast. They'll play this episode as the latest one until the next one comes out next week. But no matter which one you may use, please, if you uh, watch us, or excuse me, listen to us, or watch us on the live show, uh, rate us and leave a comment. That helps others discover us, obviously, and it gives us the feedback we need to make sure we're providing the content that you are most interested in. Of course, if this is your first time discovering us, we do this every week, have been for, well, for the podcast, 17 years, but for the live show for nine years, every week uh, we've been producing. So uh, if you want to keep up with the latest in hospitality uh, technology and techniques and news and so forth, then smash that subscribe button on whatever platform you discovered us on, and we will provide you content each and every week that hopefully is entertaining and informative and informational. Uh, if you'd like to go back, uh, other than our podcast page, you can go back historically to hundreds of our podcasts. Um, there's also an even deeper I Love Lucy rerun platform called hospitalitychannel.tv that just not only has all of our podcasts, but also our live shows. Uh, going back for all the nine years every week we've been doing this with guest hosts and topics and everything over the course of many, many, many years. Uh, so you can always go back to that. And if you want to join us on our Hospitality Marketing Club, if you are a hospitality marketing professional and would like to join a peer group, of uh, like-minded or like, uh, yeah, like-minded would be the best way of saying it. Um, there is a uh, website called hospitalitymarketing.club. There's a little box. Just put your email in. I will send you a quiz. If you get 90% or above, I will send you a link to join our closed group peers. This is not where you learn about hospitality marketing on basics. This is about already doing hospitality marketing. You need peer professionals that you can share and collaborate with openly about journeyman and advanced marketing techniques in hospitality it's a great peer group to join and of course if you want to watch us on tv as a lot of people do in 209 countries where our tv channel is out uh, on all roku google uh, tv amazon tv apple tv uh, you can watch us on the hospitality channel tv station and we're also an app that is an Apple uh, iOS or uh, Android Google Play uh, stores. Just look for the Hospitality Channel and the TV show, uh, live show that we do every Friday, 1130 a.m. Eastern U.S. time is always broadcast live. And we simulcast that uh, for Sydney U.S. Uh, for Sydney time, 1130 Wednesdays a.m. And uh, London, U.K. time for our EU friends and uh, Mideast friends, 1130 um, a.m. Wednesdays uh, as well for recast. Uh, of course, we simulcast the live show on a variety of social platforms, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, YouTube, a uh, variety of pages on all of them except for LinkedIn. There's only one that's on mine. Um, so there you have it. So my name is Lauren Gray. I thank you for the privilege of your time, and I look forward to talking to you all next week. You have been listening to This Week in Hospitality Marketing, the podcast show 396 brought to you by Hospitality Digital Marketing Gand in support of the HSMAI, Hospitality Sales and Marketing Association International, all right reserved copyright 2023.